Man, what a beautiful day today, isn't it? Aren't you glad? I'm, you know, early in the week they were calling for all this weather, and you know we were kind of watching it. And I'm just glad that it's a beautiful day today, and we're here at church. So, uh, as Jess mentioned, if you we are starting that text messaging uh, service, so if you want to. Uh, know about when we do make adjustments to our schedule. And typically, if we do get bad weather, we'll just have our 11 a.m. service uh, or uh, we'll do something online. So it just kind of depends. But that way you you would know in advance. I forgot to share this first service, um, but you guys, I wanted to give you an update on our Christmas offering. So we ended up uh, right at 39000 and change, so almost $40,000 in our Christmas offering. Uh, so that's awesome. We'll be able to add to it and uh, pay down our mortgage and refinance. So we'll be doing that in the next week or two. So uh, thank you guys. It's awesome. Uh, man, and our other year in giving was strong too. So we actually finished the year ahead of where we were anticipating. So uh, man, God, to, to God be the glory on that because... Uh, you know, early in the year, we were like, man, it's, our giving was down a little bit, and we're kind of uh, not worried, but we were watching it closely, right? Uh, you guys know what, you know, when you're watching a budget a little bit, you're kind of, you pay a little bit extra attention to how you spend money when things are a little tighter, and, uh, but the, as the year went on, our giving went up, um, and our attendance went up, so uh, that's awesome. So um, we, can you believe it's 2024? Uh, how long is it going to take us to, to write that down, right? You used to be, you used to struggle writing checks. People don't write checks anymore, so you don't, it's not as much of an issue, but you used to get the date wrong all the time. But it's 2024, and we wanted to start the new year uh, by doing a sermon series to kind of uh, make us think about change a little bit. Uh, I was asking the elders a while back about uh, ideas to kick off the new year, and um, I, we had several sermon series ideas for uh, that will come later in the year and some pretty good sermon series coming up and some that are going to go pretty deep and it, talk about some, some, some even controversial topics. Uh, but we wanted to kind of kick off the year talking about change. And I was asking the guys about ideas and Larry brought up a book that he had just finished reading called The Power to Change. It's by pastor, author Craig Groeschel. And uh, if you're not familiar with him, uh, he's a pastor in Oklahoma, um, a, pastor, a church called Life Church. Um, and you may not be familiar with him or his church, but you've probably used some of the tools that they have produced and shared. Uh, they developed uh, something called the YouVersion Bible app. So the Bible app that you have on your phone that you use and has all the reading plans and all that came out of that church. And uh, that church just had a vision like when the, the iPhone first came out and started doing apps. They're like, we want to have an app for the Bible. And it's grown now to billions of you know, uh, users worldwide. I mean, it's just crazy how many people are using that app. Uh, they also do a lot of church online stuff that we use uh, as well. So you've seen the effect of their church. But this book... Uh, I read it, and I loved it, and I'm like, man, this would be great to do a sermon series on. So uh, I kind of want to give credit where credit is due. I'll be sharing um, some thoughts from what I learned from his book, from his sermons that he did about the book. Uh, so I'll add in my thoughts, stories. Uh, I want to go a little bit deeper in the Scripture behind some of the passages that he shares in the book. Um, but I like the book because of this simple reason. I feel like so many people are frustrated because they know they need to change, 
They want to change. They're trying to change. But then you look at their life and they're not actually changing. And so I think that summarizes so many of us. We so easily get stuck. And can I just say too that most books about habits and disciplines are just, can we just be honest and say they're boring? I mean, have you ever read a book? It's like, well, if you want to change, you've got to go through this process. And so many of the books, too, I think are just trying to sell you something. So they're like, if you buy my planner, my planner or my planning system or do that, and if you buy this planner, your life will be organized. How many of y'all have ever bought a planner or something like that to get organized? Have y'all, have y'all ever? Uh, now, how many of you actually have used it past January? Right? That's the issue. A few of you do. Okay. But a lot of people, you buy something, you think, man, this is going to be the silver bullet. This is going to fix, um, you know, all my disorganization and all my, my lack of preparation and my, uh, you know, all, all this stuff, my, you know, just putting things off time after. This is going to fix it. I'm going to get this book and it's going to magically make me an organized person. How does that work for you? Right. I mean, it does. You, you see the issue, right? And so when I read this book, though, what I liked about it, it wasn't a method. It wasn't a program. It wasn't a, even I would say it wasn't a system. It's all about a relationship. It's all about how God can work in us and through us. And, uh, and it's about connecting with him. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting is for most people, we think, uh, if we can just do something for a few days, how many of y'all have heard the statistic that if you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit? Have y'all heard that? Um, here's the interesting thing. More modern studies, recent studies have shown that's not true. Uh, you can do something for 21 days and it still not be a habit. In fact, it takes much longer for things to be ingrained to become a habit. Uh, most books, most studies, uh, I saw one that said the average was 66 days for some tasks that were easier. But if it was a harder task, it took much longer than that. So again, what we're going to learn through this series is it's not just about changing how we do things, about how we structure our life. There's a little more to it. And so, uh, <laughs> so many people come up with New Year's resolutions. Um, and, and, and that's part of why we wanted to talk about this at the beginning of the year. Forbes magazine listed out the top five resolutions for 2024. Uh, see if any of these you can relate to. Improved fitness, improved finances, improved mental health, uh, to lose weight, or to improve your diet. Um, and so you read those and like, and a lot of us have those things that we want to change in our life, but there's also those things, not just that we want to start doing, but things we need to stop doing. Things like, I want to stop being stressed out, or I want to stop being frustrated and impatient. I want to stop being late all the time and actually be somewhere on time. Or I want to stop overeating. I want to stop procrastinating. I want to stop being so negative. I want to stop being on my phone so much. I want to stop uh, doing these, these uh, you know, addictive behaviors that I keep falling into. Whatever it is, uh, the, the reality is a lot of us have things we want to start and we want to stop. Another study uh, that was done, uh, it was by Inc. Magazine. It was a study of 45 million people. They found that 
when it comes to New Year's resolutions, that on average it took uh, by the second Friday of January, people had given up. Just go ahead and mark it on your calendar, January 12th. You can circle it and just call it Quitter's Day. And say, so whatever it is you wanted to change by that time, by this Friday, you've made it two weeks and that's good, you can just quit. Because that's what most people do. Is there a better way, guys? Is there a better way? Uh, in his book, or what Craig Rochelle said, he said, what makes all this so much worse is we've all tried. Like, tried really hard. We haven't just sat around doing nothing. We've made a bunch of decisions and commitments and New Year's resolutions and attempts to set goals. And you know what needs to change. You've decided to finally do something about the issue over and over again, but nothing's worked. The vast majority of us started with really good intentions, but we didn't follow through. And the sad news is that many of us, we have our goals, but by the end of the year, we'll still weigh more than we wanted to weigh. We'll still spend more money than we actually make, or we'll still want to read the Bible daily, but we won't. And so what I want to do today is talk to you, who, those people in the room who want to change, who are sick of being stuck in the same place year after year. And so if you're sick of being stuck, let's go to the Bible to learn how to get unstuck. If you've got your Bibles, flip to Romans chapter 7. That's where we're going to start this series off and talk about. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, over half of the New Testament. Uh, he understands what it's like to try to do the right thing, to want to do the right thing, to have good intentions, but to still find yourself in a struggle. And so the book of Romans is interesting. It, it's a, this story uh, uh, that Paul writes to the Roman church and he unpacks the concept of salvation. So he starts off by talking about God's righteousness and our sinfulness. And those two things are kind of at, at odds. And, and, but God made a way so that we could be saved. And then uh, Romans 6 uh, he talks about through faith and, and Jesus and his death and resurrection that we are, are dead to sin and alive to God. But then chapter 7 is all about a struggle. It's kind of the bridge between, well, we know this stuff, but we're not quite living in it yet. So uh, we're in this daily battle. And then chapter 8 is awesome. We'll get there in a minute. We'll talk about that. But... Uh, in chapter 7, what he does, he talks about the relationship between the law and sin. He says the law is good because it comes from God, but it also highlights our sinfulness. It's this struggle that we are in. So what Romans 7 really is, it's a bridge between the theology and the promise. And so this is kind of where we're at. So let's kind of jump in. Romans seven fifteen. see if you can relate to this. This is Paul. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now, I don't know if you've ever found yourself after a situation, after you've messed up, after you've blown it, after you failed at something, and whether it was getting mad at your kid or, 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 or saying the wrong thing or not doing what you know you should have done, and you're looking at yourself and like, why did I do that? Why? I mean, I know better. Why do I keep making the same mistake over and over again? That's what Paul's talking about here. He keeps going in verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I, I want to do what's good, but I don't. 
I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it because it's the sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Paul has enough self-awareness to realize there's something going on. There's this battle. It's not just his intentions that determine his decisions. There's a power at work within him. And it's the power of sin. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're wondering why you keep struggling. Why you can't build healthy habits. Why you keep making the same mistakes. Why you keep procrastinating. Why you, you don't do those things that you know you need to do. Seems like you're on a treadmill. You know, it's funny, when you're on a treadmill, you're working really hard, but at the end you get off and you're in the same place you started. (laughs) And I feel like that's where a lot of us are. We work really hard and we look down and we're at the same place year after year. And those year after year turns into decade after decade, doesn't it? I mean, it just turns in, I mean, we we think I want to do better. And you think, when did I have, and can I just be honest? I have my little planner and it's online. And there are tasks I have on there that have been on there for like two years that just keep rolling over, like overdue, overdue, overdue. And eventually I get to the point, I just click them. I'm like, well, I just don't need to do that. If I hadn't done it in two years, it's not all that important. Can y'all relate? So again, right? We, Paul recognizes there's a power at war within us. But he also recognizes there's a better way. You have the right intentions like so many other people. But even though we have the right intentions, I would suggest we have the wrong strategy. It's not just about your intentions. right? Uh, we're trying to change, but we're trying to change in the wrong way. And so the core of the message of the book, I I want to give it to you today. So if you're taking notes, write this down. It's our first point this morning. It's just simply this. Real change isn't behavior modification. Real change is spiritual transformation. This is important. And this is at the heart of this book, at the heart of this sermon series. Um, And so... Uh, I just want to really challenge you a little bit here. It's not just changing what we do on the outside. Right? It's not sin management. It's not behavior modification. It's allowing God to change who we are on the inside. And, and that's why the Apostle Paul, who in Romans 7 said, I'm just trying to do what's right. I, I'm, I can't and I don't want to do what's wrong, but I, I do. And, but then he gets to this point in the next verse. He gets to the point, is there any hope, right? He says, what a miserable person I am. Right? That's real encouraging. Here's the guy that the the greatest evangelist, the greatest missionary, the greatest church planner. uh, And he's like, I'm miserable. I just keep messing up. Who can free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? That's the struggle Paul felt. And if he felt it, don't you think we would experience some of this too? 
he answers the question. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not in changing my behavior. It's in understanding who Jesus is. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. And that's kind of how he ends chapter 7. We'll get to chapter 8 in a minute. The answer, though, is not in my effort. It's not in outward behavior. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. And over these next few weeks, I want to show you how we as Christians, we often try to change in the wrong way, but I want to point you to the one who can guide our true change. Uh, author Jerry Bridges talks about our mindsets that we have towards change. He kind of lists uh, three different ways that we can kind of view change. And, and I would say that label the first as sometimes we think change is about only me. It's only me. It's all up to me. So what we would say, and we, we may not verbalize this, but in our mind, this is how we kind of go about it. We say, God has saved me, right? Uh, I've been saved by faith. He has saved me. But then God looks down at me and says, good luck. It's all up to you. Right? He's just looking down at us and saying, man, you got a lot of tough choices to make. Good luck with that. And, and, and we wouldn't really, again, I don't know that we would say this, but we live like it. Because then we start living and we start going like, well, I know I've got to change. I'm going to try harder. Man, I've got to try a lot harder. It's all about how much I try. So I don't want to cuss so much. I'm going to try to do that. I don't want to drink so much. I'm not going to drink. I'm, I'm going to, whatever it is, we just start laying out our list of all this stuff. And our goal is we're going to try harder. And again, I'll just ask you, how's that working for you? Right? It, because you, you put all that on. It's all up to me now. That's a wrong mindset. It doesn't work. But then on the flip side, some people believe it's only God. This is kind of the exact opposite. And so this mindset says, okay, um, God, it's up to you now. You've saved me. It's, you're in control. You do something about it. So this would be the person that says, I want to grow spiritually this year. But then you don't go to church. You don't read your Bible. And you're sitting back like, why am I not growing? Right? God, why aren't you revealing yourself to me? God, do something about it. This is the person who's broke that says, God, um, send me a lottery ticket. I need to win big. God, if you want me to, to, to live the blessed life, then you've got to bless me. I'm waiting for it. Come on, God. And again, that's kind of comical. But I mean, people live this way, right? People like sit back and like, well... God, if you want it, you got. If you want me to, if you want to, you want me to do something for you. You've got to open the door and push me through it for me to do it. It's all up to God. But there's a third way. This is the best way. This is the correct way. Uh, and, and it kind of leads me to my next point. Real change occurs when God works through you. So it's not only me. It's not only God. It's God through me. God through me. God through me. It, it's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. It's God through me. I, I want to show you uh, how the Apostle Paul recognized this amazing principle. Again, chapter 7 in Romans. I'm trying to change. I want to change. I keep doing what I don't want to do. 
Who can save me? What's the answer? Jesus Christ. Very next verse, right? And, and sometimes we forget when uh, Romans was written, it didn't have chapter numbers, right? You, you were, right, you remember. This is one continuous thought. The chapter numbers were added in, verse numbers at much later. Uh, Romans 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I love Romans 8 because it gives us hope. We aren't slaves to our bad habits. We aren't slaves to the power of sin in our lives because Jesus has freed us from that. This is the first step to real change in your, in your life. It's to realize you can't change by your own power. But real change occurs when God works through you. God works through you. What we see here, right? There's no condemnation. That means we have forgiveness. That means we have freedom. That means we can leave the guilt behind. Because there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So the first step to real change, can I just say, you need to belong to Jesus. You've got to belong to Jesus. You've got to quit trying on your own so hard time after time. You've got to surrender, submit, and say, Jesus, work through me. Work through me. Uh, if we keep going in Romans 8, I'll kind of skip around a little bit. Verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So let, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So many of us, you know, we're battling. We're, we're in this thing. I keep doing what I don't want to do. Why? Because we're letting, right? We're, we're becoming slaves to the sin. We're letting that control us instead of the Spirit control us. Romans 8, 9. You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. I love it. It kind of adds some parentheses here. Wait a minute here. Because he's like, I know some of you are going to have an argument about this. But remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. He's like, if you're a believer, you have got the Spirit living inside of you. And, some, and he knows the argument's going to be, I don't have that power. I can't do it. I've tried. It's not worked. He's like, wait a minute. If you, have, if you are a believer, you have the Spirit. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not even a believer to start with. So that's, that's, that's the starting point. And, and keep going, right? Romans 8, 11, I love this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He'll give life to your mortal bodies through the same Spirit living within you. Don't say that you don't have the power to overcome any bad habit, bad tendency, bad sin, whatever it is in your life. You have the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead living inside of you. And this again... if. The power to change, it's God through me. That's when real change occurs. When we realize it's God working through me. It's not based on me. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. It's God working through me. And so the same power that indwelled the apostles, when we read through the early church and see what they did and how they turned the world upside down, 
That same spirit lives in you. The same spirit that changed life after life after life is living inside of you and can change you. So why are we trying to do everything in our own power? Romans 7 is not the entire story of the Christian life because we have Romans 8. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. If you're a believer, you have that power. You don't have to live in your own strength. You were made to live in the strength of God. I was reading this week, and Dallas Willard has wrote a lot about change and transformation and what this looks like, and he was talking about grace, and he said the point of grace is not just to patch up your failures, although it does that, but it's to give you the life that you were made for. And again, we think about grace as being, oh, he just saved, he took all my mess and cleaned it up, but he has a vision for your future. Craig Rochelle in the book said, if you try to change your behavior without changing your identity, you're pulling up a weed without getting to the root. And so I'm just telling you, the next few weeks, we're going to be digging deeper and looking at our identity, who we are in Christ. Because when we understand that, that's what helps us tap in to that power source that we have. But it's all about grace, isn't it? God's grace for us. His grace that saves us. The grace that has transformed us. That leads me to my next point. The grace that saves us is also the grace that changes us. His grace is what changes. How do we change? It's not behavior modification. It's it's transformation. It's God through me. And, and, And again, Paul is this guy that's saying, I want to change, but I can't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it. Who can save me? It's only Jesus. And I want you to see what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. I'll stop right there for a minute. What did Paul do before he had his encounter with Jesus? He tried to go around killing Christians. His job was like, I want to do everything I can to destroy this movement. I'm going I'm to arrest people. I'm going to watch them beaten and, and watch them being killed for proclaiming Jesus. But then he met Jesus and everything changed. So he's stepping back and saying, you know, my past, it's, it's pretty rough. I don't even deserve to be called a Christian. I don't even deserve to, to be called an apostle. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, not yet I, but the grace of God that was with me. See, he recognized something here. Without the grace of God, all of his effort was in vain. And he worked hard. He was a student of the law. He did everything he could to, to, to justify himself, to make himself right with God. But he learned that all that was in vain without Jesus. The grace changed his life the grace that saved him was the grace that changed him and i would say the same is true for all of us today based on our our past mistakes we don't deserve for god to use us in a great way i think every one of us could say here you know god he should probably use somebody else i'm not really good enough i don't really deserve to, to, to to do great things for god because well just look at my life 
but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, and so I would just challenge you, right? Spiritual change, real spiritual change, is God working through you. Uh, how does, and so let's just, what does this mean in our everyday life? How does God's grace change us? What does it look like? Uh, you may want to write this down because this is deep. This is good, okay? For, for change to be spiritual transformation. Okay, this is, this is deep. you got to listen, all right? I'm going to give you, for change to be spiritual transformation, it's got to be spiritual. That's deep. If you want to have spiritual transformation, real transformation, it's got to be spiritual. Okay, you, you're not buying it yet. Okay. Let me kind of break this down for us. If we want to be spiritual transformation, it's got to be empowered by God's Spirit and not by our willpower. Our willpower will not change us. That's what this series is all about. And, and to do that, here's the first step. We'll kind of open it up this week and we'll build on this, okay? You've got to define your spiritual why. Why do you want to change? Do you want to lose weight? That's, that's one that... I would say I need to do, I've got, I've got some pounds I've got to, 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 to get rid of. Um, and I ran yesterday and I can barely walk today. And so that's, um, you know, but why do I want to lose weight? Is it to look good when I go to the beach? That may be your reason. I mean, it's not a terrible reason, but is it the best reason? Or is it to be, uh, to feel better? That's a good reason, right? Let's go deeper. What's your spiritual why? What about if it's honoring your body because it is the temple of God? What, is, what, what if it's about getting healthy so you have the energy to serve God more faithfully? Right? What, you've got to go deeper than just the surface issues. What's your spiritual why? Your spiritual why is God's purpose for you. And your spiritual how is God's power through you. This is, this, is gonna, this is kind of where we're going with this series. It's not about your effort. It's not behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. Another example. Uh, I want to quit being on social media so much. Um, if you want to be convicted, uh, I, I, I'm not going to have you do it this morning. You can do it later. Uh, if you pull out your phone, if it's an iPhone, uh, you can go to screen time, and it will tell you like, how much time you're averaging on your phone each day. But it will also tell you how many times you pick up your phone each day. It has pickups. Just how many times you look at your screen. You want to be convicted? Look at that number. And think about every time I'm picking that up, what are you doing? You, know, you, you pick up your phone, you look at it, and you're like, oh, you're checking email, checking your screen, and scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And, and you're scrolling. And so maybe one of your goals needs to be, I need to get off my phone and not be on my phone so much. I've got to cut down my time scroll endlessly scrolling why because i'm wasting time okay why because I, i've got better things to do with my time okay why because I, i've got all this stuff to do around my house why keep digging keep drilling keep going uh, maybe it's because i'm not reading god's word like i should and i want to replace this bad habit with something much better maybe your spiritual why is i want to be more fully present with the people in my life so I can build relationships, so I can share the love of Christ with them. Do you see how changing your why changes your motivation? It allows you to kind of tap into God's power instead of your willpower. 
And, and so uh, maybe you want to overcome an addiction. Maybe you want to get more organized. Maybe you want to pray with your spouse. What do you, what's your spiritual why for those things? It's by the help of Jesus that you can overcome this. And so your first assignment this week, and we're going to build on this, is to start defining your spiritual why. Think about those things that need to change in your life, those things you need to start doing, those things you need to stop doing, and what is your spiritual why for each of those. And, if you, and to help you to remember this, as we go through this week, I want you to kind of repeat something over and over and, and repeat it until you believe it. And that's kind of my next point here. This is what I want you to repeat. Uh, Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. We've got to remind ourselves, we've got to renew our mind over and over again, repeat this over and over until we believe it. Because this is the truth, that Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Why do I say this? I'm just telling you guys, like, I like to think I'm a disciplined person, but I'm not. If you leave me to myself, I will eat everything on the table. <laughs> I would weigh four or 500 pounds easy because I love to eat and I don't like to exercise. I I'm lazy by nature. But I have to remind myself, right? My mind has to be renewed over and over me that Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Am I honoring God when I just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat? No. And do I feel good? No. What? But again, and, and do I have the energy to serve God? No. I've got to get to my spiritual why. And so I've got to remind myself Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. So back earlier this year, back in the summer... Um, I, I kind of got a new bike. Um, I ha I've had an old mountain bike for years, an old Trek, and I like riding bikes. Um, um, and, and so riding bikes is fun for me. I enjoy it. But I have a little problem. It's, it's where I live. It's on a hill, right? It's, it's pretty hilly right where I'm at. Um, so from the church to my house is a little over a mile, mile and a half away. Uh, it's almost 300 feet elevation change between the two. Uh, and so my house is a little bit higher than here. Um, you don't realize it sometimes when you're driving because you kind of goes gradually, but uh, it gets pretty steep. And so I like riding my bike from my house to church, and I would do that some. Um, but then you got to get home. And so I'd call Jennifer, hey, can you, you come into town? Why don't you just come by, come by the church? Let's go out to eat lunch because eating, right? And then I'll just throw my bike in the back of your car and we'll go home, right? That way I won't have to ride home. Earlier this summer, though, um, one of Jennifer's relatives called me and said, hey, I've got an extra e-bike. Do you want to try it out? And you can borrow it. And I'm like, heck yeah, I love it. I mean, this is fun. So if you're not familiar with e-bike, they have a big battery on them. They're kind of all the rage now. Everybody's, and, and when you pedal, you can choose how much it helps you. So you can choose how much it assists you. Uh, and so you can put it on one, and it just gives you a little bit of extra power. Or two gives you a little more. Or you, go, you can put it on five for, for big guys like me. And it gives, it, it's amazing, right? It just, you can pedal down the road, just barely pedal, not even breaking a sweat. And you'd be going like 20, 25 miles an hour. I hit 35 going downhill the other day. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy, right? It's fun. 
it's like riding a motorcycle. It's like it even has a throttle on it where you don't have to pedal at all. You just tap it in and go. I, if, if y'all know where Ernie Powell Street is? Some of y'all live around here. Um, it's steep, right? It, it's going to my house. That's how I usually drive home from here. Kind of, and it, it's pretty steep. I can go up Ernie Powell at 10 miles an hour without breaking a sweat, without standing up on the pedals, right? Just, just go up it. Put, I mean, this, it, it's incredible. So why do I say that? Because I'm, I'm able to tap into a power source that I didn't have before. I'm able to use power that I didn't know about, that I didn't even have. And now it changes how I do things. Can I say spiritual? There's a spiritual component to that. All right. For many of you, you're trying to do things on your own power and you've not reached up and hit the throttle yet. You've not reached in and and, and tapped into the power source that you have at your disposal the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you, but you're trying to do it all by willpower and you're not really going very far. You're not making it up that hill. But what you need to do is, a, is trust in God's power. In the Old Testament, there's a verse in Zechariah. It says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. It's not by power, it's not by might, it's by the spirit living inside of us. And so this is what happens so, time, so many times when you don't bring your power, uh, you know, you try to do it in your power, but there's a stronger power that you have at your disposal. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. The power comes from Christ transforming your heart. And, and I'll just add this in. If we change our behavior, but we don't change the heart, your behavior is going to come back. It's got to be a spiritual transformation, an inside-out transformation. Paul went on to say in 2 Corinthians, he knew that he couldn't do this on his own. He says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. He's, un- he's acknowledging this, right? So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. You know, Paul struggled. He had this thorn in his flesh, this thing that he struggled with, and he realized you know, I just need Jesus. It's all about Jesus living in me and working through me. And when Jesus does that, it's amazing. Jesus gets the credit. People see Jesus in me. And so for many of you, you're here struggling this morning, and I just want to challenge you. When are you going to tap into that power source? When are you going to let Jesus do something through you? Through this whole series, we're going to be, we're going to be learning more about this. But I'll tell you this, when we mess up, we've got to remember God's grace that can forgive us, that can save us. But His grace grace also changes us. and His his grace also strengthens us. It's not behavior modification. It's a transformation. Jesus didn't come just to make us better. I think some people think that Jesus came to make me a better person. No, He came to rescue you. He came to free you. He came to, 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 to bring you back to God and give you a relationship with God. And so as we go through this series, my, my prayer for you is that you realize you do have the power to change. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, your grace is so good. It has saved us. It has changed us. It has transformed us. God, may we just keep our eyes on you. 
in those areas of our life that we, want, that we know we're doing things that we shouldn't, would we confess those to you? Acknowledge them to you? And, and, and we know that your word tells us if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But let's not stop there. As part of our repentance, let's seek our spiritual why, that we can start discovering what it looks like to truly change, to be spiritually transformed. So it's not just this behavior modification, but we are changed from the inside out. May we tap into your power source, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Lord, um, we just thank you for that gift you've given us. Lord, I also pray for those listening and watching online today that people in the room today that they would be able to say I have Jesus living inside of me the spirit I'm indwelled by the spirit because I belong to Jesus and if you can't say that then right now is your opportunity to confess that you need Jesus that you need salvation that you need a, a heart change that you need forgiveness that you need freedom you need reconciliation. You need redemption. All of these powerful words that, that we find in Scripture that tell us what happens when we confess our sins. God adopts us into His family. He forgives us. He changes us. And He sends His Spirit to live inside of us. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart, God, that you raised Jesus from the dead, we'll be saved. So many verses of promise. But it starts with an act of surrender. It starts with an act of confession. To say, Jesus, we need you. If you've never done that, right now is your opportunity. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We trust you. Empower us to live for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray this morning. Amen.